Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counsellor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Authentic Wednesday podcast. My next guest is Erica James Strayhorn. Her passion is learning about people. Her life mantra is everything will work out the way it needs to. Erica is a marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, specializing in stress, couples, work-life balance, confidence, sexual empowerment, and assisting clients create individualized self-care plans. Her favorite travel destination is Toronto in the winter because of its excitement, very nice people, and great food. A fun fact about Erica, she is a painter. I call her the self-care queen. In this episode, I love learning more about her love of personal growth, how being intentional about creating new life experiences have helped her grow. Hello, Erica. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing great. So first of all, I want to thank you for coming on to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I'm really, really excited for you to be here and just tell the world all about how amazing you are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm really honored to have been invited to be on your podcast and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Cool. So let's start off with the big word. I feel like it's also a bit of a buzzword. Authenticity. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) What does that mean for you and what does it look like for you? Yeah, I do agree. I think it is one of those um, really prevalent buzzwords right now. And what authenticity means for me is being comfortable and confident with showing up as I am, fully as I am in any environment that I'm in. I think that we have a habit of you know, picking and choosing what parts of our personality are going to show or even like adopting other parts of other people's personalities that we feel would be a better fit for certain environments and around certain people because we don't want to be judged or we don't want to be too much. We want to make sure we're professional. And there's a lot of like censorship that goes into it. And Mm -hmm. when I think of authenticity, I really feel that that means showing up just as you are without worrying about being censored, without worrying about people judging you and just being really confident and just honoring who you are at all times. I love that. Now, I love it. I love your um, (laughs) definition. Now, what I do know, that's not easy. No. (laughs) How have you gotten to this space to kind of embrace authenticity for you? Yeah, so it's definitely an ongoing process. I think that when I am working with clients or just working, talking to people, I think the first thing that we have to come to is a level of awareness. Once you become aware of yourself not being as authentic as you want to be, then that's kind of like the first step. And so for me, it's situations where I might be having a conversation with someone or had an interaction with someone. And when I leave and I get back home or I get to myself, I'm kind of replaying the interaction in my head. I'm like, you know, why did I say it like that? I really... My first instinct was not to say it that way, but because of the person, because of where I was, I felt like I needed to water myself down or say it in a different way and not really be my full authentic self. So 
that's kind of where it starts for me. It's kind of replaying these experiences in my mind. And so the next time I have the opportunity and that little voice in me comes up and might say like, don't say it that way, say it this way. I actually do say it the way that I feel that feels natural for me. So if that means I'm being loud or if that means that, you know, I might say a cuss word or really allowing my personality to be present hundred percent of the time, instead of, again, instead of censoring myself, really practicing that and, being comfortable with that and not really allowing how the person's going to receive me or how they're going to react to dictate how I show up. Wow. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the last time you were inauthentic? Um, I mean, I think, it, I think I have little moments here or there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think another buzzword is like microaggression. And for me, it's like micro moments of inauthenticity inauthenticity so it's not something really major that happens but for me it's kind of like those times when I'm playing small or I decide to kind of shrink myself a little bit to feel to make to help somebody else feel more comfortable um it comes up in those moments so I can't really remember a specific time Mm -hmm. or specific opportunity but I know for a fact it it comes up for me most I have the most challenge with it when I'm feeling like I need to kind of shrink myself or maybe the person that I'm interacting with I might feel like they can't really handle the full me or I'm essentially worrying about how they're going to react or respond to me. What does it feel like in those moments, whenever you remember it, when you shrink yourself? It doesn't feel great. You know, I definitely have those moments of like, again, like replaying it in my mind and um, maybe thinking about the environment or thinking about the person, like, what is it about that person? person that triggers this feeling in me of wanting to shrink myself. Um, what is it about me when I show up in those environments that I feel like I want to shrink myself? Why do I feel um, afraid to fully be who I am and to really honor who I am? Is it really because I'm worried about how the other person is going to receive me or is it because I'm afraid of like my own greatness? And mm-hmm. so those are the conversations and questions that come up for me. Um, and it doesn't happen really in the moment again is that self-assessment after the fact when I know because I really believe that um our emotions a lot of times they start in our bodies and so something will happen in my body like I'll feel tense or I'll feel kind of like clammy or feel even anxious in my body and that's how I know like oh this is a red flag I'm not really being my full authentic self I'm, I'm shrinking myself I'm I'm being too worried about I have, I'm having too much consideration for this person and not enough courage for myself Wow, that's good. I never considered paying attention to the body before paying attention to the feeling. I definitely um, probably pay more attention to my feelings in those authentic moments, but you Mm -hmm. kind of challenged me to think about, you know, what my body is doing or or how that's actually responding. And what I'm loving, what I'm hearing you say is authenticity is a lot about taking time out to reflect. Mm-hmm. and ask questions of yourself sure. and um, develop self-awareness mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say. So tell me, you weren't always like this. What was no. America like before? <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, honestly, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think early on I was a lot more open and a lot more authentic, really my, my real self as a child, as much of us mm-hmm. are. Many of us are very authentic and real and our full selves as children because we don't, that's all we know. Like I just know how to be me. And it's not until we start to grow up and we start to have, you know, people 
the, the response that we get from other people, I think that really shapes how authentic, I can't even speak, how authentic <laughs> or how okay. inauthentic we're going to be when we start bumping up against the opinions of other people. Um, so I would say, I think I started off pretty, pretty much a hundred percent myself, hundred percent Erica. And as I grew up, um, you know, going through high school, going through college, those are those very formative years when you're really still trying to figure out who you are. So a lot of the way you are, the, the, a lot of how you show up is really um, reflected or almost guided by how those in your closest circles receive you. So, you know, if you want to be the funny person, then maybe you'll be a little bit more funny and then people start to know you as that. And so that is what becomes more of your personality and you don't allow the other parts of you to shine. So I think, again, that's just normal growing pains. As we go through our adolescence, we're still trying to figure out who we are. And mm -hmm. I can say that I definitely went through a phase where I just wasn't being my true authentic self. And at some point that became like my inauthenticity became my true self because I was doing it for doing it so long. Um, and it wasn't until I became older and I started realizing like, wait a minute, like that's not, that's not really what I wanted to say. That's not really what I wanted to do. Why am I, why is it so easy for me to do things that I don't really want to do? I mean, nothing that ever put myself at risk or in harm's way or anything like that, but you know, why was it so easy for me to, to not, to do what everybody else was doing or to do what people were expecting of me. And that became my challenge. Like, let me start to lean in more of the unexpected parts of myself that other people feel are unexpected. But I know for me, that's really who I am. Um, and so just practicing that and leaning more into that and, you know, taking some, some data as far as like, Oh, when I was really my true self in that situation, so-and-so responded like this, but not really allowing that to guide my next choice or the next time I um, was in a different environment or different people, but just allowing myself to just really be who I felt that I was in that moment and not really allow myself to be guided by how people are going to receive me and like those around me, how they're going to receive me. Wow. So it's powerful. It's, it's amazing how other people, and of course, you know, like you mentioned, it is part of growing up because of course, as teenagers, we're trying to find ourselves, but mm -hmm. how much other people's opinions changes us to a point where, you know, we're free as children. Then we are, you know, trying to look at everyone else to the left or the right. Mm -hmm. And then we get tired of it and we're like, wait a minute, this is no, this doesn't work for me. Absolutely. Um, did your social circle change? When oh yeah okay oh yeah so you know and I, I think that's part of growth as well like if you're really interested in shifting and growing into a different version of yourself or the the true version of you the people who met you in the beginning when you really weren't your authentic self they're going to shift they might shift I'll say that once you really start being who you really are um, because they connected with this false version of you so to speak so when you start really honoring yourself and presenting yourself as you truly are, those people might not want to hang out with you anymore because that's not, they don't really, for lack of a better phrase, they don't really know you anymore. So as I started to lean more into my authenticity and really practicing what that looked like, I did notice that friendship groups started to change and started to shift. And, you know, that was upsetting a little bit. It was a little uncomfortable um, in the beginning. You know, some of these friendships were, I had them for a very long time. And, um, I would say we're still friends, but the friend, the friendship is a little bit different now. Mm -hmm. um, and now the friends that I lean into more, they're the people who really, they can help me uh, be even more authentic. Like they're, they're definitely mirrors for me and my authenticity and they can call me on it. Like, Hey, you know, 
the way you're showing up, I don't really think that you're really being truly transparent or, 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 or authentic, you know, what's blocking you, you know, let's talk about it. So I know that they have my, um, my best interest at heart and they really want me to be my most authentic self. So I will say that my friend group definitely did change. And, you know, I, again, I think that's just part of the growing and, and shifting. And, um, I will say that the people who I call my friends now are much more open and accepting of me being my authentic self. That's such a gift when you have people who just accept you for you. Totally. So um, also, so what about um, one of the things I was just wondering about when I was just listening to you is that it got uncomfortable when friendships changed. Did you Mm -hmm. ever like think about going back to being inauthentic or who people thought you were? No, just because like I was ready for a different experience of my life. Like, I knew that that old me or the old way I did things was always there. So if things got too hard or I was like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I knew I could always go back to that. And so for me, um, and also too, when you want to shift and create a new experience of your life, going back is the opposite of that. I don't, I just, I just wanted a whole new experience. And so in doing that, understanding that, yeah, I might lose some friends or some friendships might change, but if they were still in that space that I was trying to grow from, then it didn't make sense for me to stay there. Okay. Okay. Or to go back there. So it sounds like, um, as well, you kind of into that stage of, you know, what a bit, what, what I talk about is taking off the mask, Mm -hmm. um, removing, I kind of talk about behind the social media filters, um, not what everyone thinks you are and kind of what would you say your mask was? Can you give a name to it? Um, I would or say maybe there's more than one. Yeah. I would say my mask was safe. Okay. It was like doing things and moving in a way and saying things that was safe and, and not safe as in like, um, I was in danger or anything like that, but safe in that I wasn't shake. I wasn't rocking the boat. Um, you know, I wasn't challenging the status quo. I was again, doing the things that people expected of me. If okay. people had an idea of who Erica was, then certain things that I did really aligned with, with who they thought I was, but mm-hmm. it didn't really align with who I knew I was. Okay. What was important for you about being safe? IE what was wrong with rocking the boat? I mean, I don't, it's not something that I've ever really gave a lot of conscious thought to, but, um, I think, I think to think about it now, I feel that judgment might've been the root of it. Like if I'm rocking the boat, if I'm doing something different than other people, then maybe people might judge me for it. Or maybe I would be excluded or maybe I would lose friends or maybe, you know, I'm not sure, but it, it, I think the root of it was like afraid of shame, shame and judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's huge. That's big. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So in regards to that, because that's actually one of the things you have been talking about recently, um, mm-hmm. is leaning into the fear. Yes. Um, what does that mean? What does that look like for you? For me, what that means, again, is like going back to the body. And when you're presented with a situation that you might be, uh, that might invoke some sort of fear or anxiety in you, typically a lot of times you can feel it in your body first. You get a nervous stomach. You start to tense up. You can feel it in your shoulders. Your palms might start to sweat. And um, leaning into that fear, especially if it's something that is going to 
make me grow or expand me in an emotionally mature way, then Mm -hmm. I lean into it. So it's something like, you know, having conversations with people and be like, Hey, can you tell me how you are experiencing me right now? How, how am I showing up for you? Give me raw feedback about who I am to you. And you know, when you're around me, like how do you experience me and making sure that the people that I ask that of still have my best interest in heart and they're not going to give me feedback in a way to tear me down. Even if it's something I don't want to hear, even if it is going to like, and some levels hurt my feelings or whatever the case may be. I know that them giving me that feedback comes from a space of love and, you know, them wanting to see me succeed. So really leaning into those opportunities to get that kind of raw feedback. Um, mm. I think, I think that's what it means to lean in. And when that fear comes up, like not allowing it to, to guide your choices, I think fear is a natural part of life. Um, I think a lot of times people feel that, you know, having fear is a, is a problem, but that's not the case. Fear is again, a natural part of the human experience It's whether you're allowing that fear to dictate your choices. That's kind of when we have the challenge. And so, um, when I do feel certain fears about certain things and I know that it's me like, okay, you know, here's an opportunity for you to experience something new, or here's an opportunity for you to grow and, you know, try that thing you've been talking about. You've been saying you want to do X, Y, and Z. Here's the opportunity. There's a little fear there, but that's okay. Still do it anyway. That's kind of, that's what I, what I mean when I'm saying um, leaning into the fear. Wow. So you're having these talks with yourself a lot. I'm having a lot with myself. And again, I'm having them with like, you know, my husband and like close friends in my community um, who might be experiencing similar things. So we can kind of connect on those on that same level. Okay. Can you name some of those fears that you experienced like recently? Um, let's see. I think the biggest one, honestly, is just like fear of being told about myself you know how somebody's like i'm gonna tell them about themselves so really Mm. that that fear of getting that raw feedback so you know something that me and my husband do on a pretty regular basis is we'll be like hey you know how are you experiencing me how how am i showing up for you how can i support you better you know are what are there what what are some areas where you feel like i can improve and not as a wife but as a person you know um, what are some areas where I think you, where you think I can improve? What are some of my um, areas of opportunity? Where are some of my growth areas? So really leaning into that kind of feedback again, knowing that it's coming from a person who really supports me and my growth and my, and my, you know, my shifting and really wants to see me do the best I can. Um, but you know, that, that, that doesn't mean that he's not going to, he's not going to be like, well, nothing, you're perfect. No, he's going to give me the raw feedback. And, you know, over the course of our relationship, some of the feedback he's given me has not been the most pleasant. Um, and I know that, Hey, I asked for this. This is the kind of relationship that I asked for. So, um, part of that growth is when you ask for feedback and you have to really learn a healthy way to receive the feedback, whether it's something that is all nice and sweet or might not be so nice and sweet. So funny when you when you said that my like fists were clenching like oh my god you're gonna tell me about myself you know what is this person gonna say what, yeah you know that I I could just you know it's funny now I'm paying attention to my body um but yeah my hands were just like clenching like oh my gosh I do not want to hear what you want to say it's like I don't want to hear what you want to say and mm-hmm. I do want to hear what you want to say exactly exactly yeah and then, you know it goes it goes both ways so I give him feedback too and I think you know because it's a two-way street I'm very mindful and very intentional about 
how I give him feedback. Again, it's not in a place of like, if I feel like I'm in that space where like, I'm too upset with you right now, or, you know, I'm not in a space where I can really give you feedback that's going to be helpful, then let's have this conversation another time because I wouldn't want the same for him. You know, like mm-hmm. if we, if we just had an argument or we just had a fight or whatever, and we're both in that space of like, you know, I've been there before where it's like, you want to say something to purpose to actually hurt somebody's feelings, then that's not the time for me to get feedback because it's not going to come from a place of love. It's going to come up from a place of hurt. Um, and then other areas, like one of the communities that I'm in, it's called the, the your day balance game. And it's like, it's based on fitness, it's based on love and based on balance. And one of the components of that is a small circle that we meet with, um, every single week. And it's like a, basically like an accountability group. We have, um, different goals that we want to, we want to work on for that week. And, you know, every so often we go through and we give each other like a rating, so to speak. And we, we tell, we express to each other, this is how I feel you're showing up. And the group is about between seven or eight people. And so periodically you have seven or eight people giving you this feedback of how they feel you're showing up and you have to be in an emotionally mature space to receive it. Like, because you could really shut down if you take it really personally, but you know, for me, I have to remember, this is what, this is what I created. This is what I wanted to experience. I wanted to be around people in a community who could kind of keep me on my toes in a loving way. If I'm really interested in growing and being the best person that I can be, I have to get that feedback from other people. Kind of similarly to what I was talking about before, Mm -hmm. when you're younger and trying to figure out who you are, if you're around people who are kind of like the same as you, or their emotional maturity might be a little bit lower than you, then they're going to tell you what you want to hear. Like they're going to tell you exactly what you want to hear and you're going to go on about your business. But if you're around people who love you and are really invested in your own growth and your own healing, they'll tell you what they feel is the most healthy and loving kind of feedback that they want to give you. And it's not always what you want to hear. Typically, most for the most part, it's not what you want to hear. So, but it's what you need to hear if you, again, if you want to grow and shift. So, yeah, that's interesting that you found that. I'm just, um, you found that group I'm kind of interested more about that because coming from a culture that you know my first culture is Caribbean Mm -hmm. um my mom's Jamaican and my dad's Antiguan you know they're gonna tell you how it is right oh I have adopted that so when I moved to here especially if you're in the south Mm -hmm. it's not a fan of that so it's kind of cool to hear that um you've actually found that space because I've had to kind of me personally is teach my friends. Like it's mm, okay to be honest. Yeah. Um, I even had a friend say to me one time, he's like, you know what? I kind of figured out that you actually just want people to be honest and you don't want this whole pretty thing in this long story. And I was like, no, not really. That doesn't, yeah. you know, that doesn't work for me. Um, but of course, like you said, in a, in a loving way, it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's what's important. So absolutely. I yeah, I love it. It was definitely I something I had to get used to. Um, because in the beginning I was just like, I was taking it really personally and like just making it mean all this other stuff. But I definitely think that with practice and then with, again, because the people that are in this group, these are people that I've known for a while. We've built relationships with each other. There's a lot of trust there. Um, and so I think that's a big part of it too, being around people who you really trust. Um, then you're then you're more open to receive the feedback, and the feedback doesn't always feel like a slight to you or that they're you know, you know picking on you, so to speak. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think that it is something that's not very common in um, American society unless you do find 
specific communities that are that's part of you know what they do um and you know i'm, I'm more than happy to share more uh about the community offline but you know there's a lot of different communities here in atlanta that do that like that is one of their um that's a cornerstone of of why they get together is for that raw feedback so cool so it seems like just I love it. Like I know Erica, but now I'm knowing <laughs> more about Erica. This is fantastic. So, um, just it just makes sense now why you. It makes more sense, shall I say, why you're the queen of self quit kit. <laughs> um, Erica is a self care queen. She is a therapist, but she is definitely a self care queen and guru. Yes. And I just see how much growth is important to you, and not only just growth. You seek out ways to grow personally and then within your own relationships and then it mm-hmm. sounds like you also look for relationships that are going to help you grow as well and continue that whole authenticity within you so definitely, definitely. so um I want to touch on self-care uh, okay because um you know I believe that you know what we do um, you know, whatever our purpose is or, you know, whatever we're called to do in life um, is based on who we are as a person. So, you know, I'm b- very big on who we are and then who we are leads into our different roles. So mm-hmm. your role for me is definitely the therapist um, and then the other one of queen of self-care. <laughs> <laughs> so something you said in a video um and you guys will have access to this soon. Um, everything in your life starts and ends with you. Can you yes. share a bit more on that? Yes. So I'll start by kind of talking about why self-care is so important to me. And then I think in that I'll kind of answer that question. Okay. <laughs> I feel that the, and I say all that because I do feel like the most important relationship is the one you have with yourself. And so self-care is a great way to nurture and cultivate that relationship. If we are out here, you know, moving about life, interacting with people and we're not full ourselves, we're not, our cup is not full, so to speak, to use that um, as an example, then how can we really give a hundred percent to other people if we're not giving it to ourselves first? Um, a lot of times the narrative is, you know, you have to find people or a person that's going to complete you. That's going to fill your cup. And I think that's cool. I think that romanticizes a lot of things, but that also makes, that also allows us to depend on other people, which can then easily switch into victimhood. So let's say you're a single person and you, have believed for so long this idea of I have to find a husband or wife or a partner to to complete me, then why is it okay to walk around as an incomplete person when you have all the tools within yourself to have, you're, you're already complete. We're already complete, you know? So this idea of finding someone to help complete us is like a false narrative in the first place. Um, but when we really focus on ourselves, and love ourselves and teach ourselves what we need, because that's part of it too. A lot of times we don't even know what we want or what we need just as individuals. So once you figure out the things that you need in your life to help you stay above water, to help your cup stay full, then when it is time for you to partner up with somebody or to be part of communities, you know exactly what you need. You can ask for it. You can say, hey, I really need to go take a break right now. Or hey, I need to go spend some time in nature. I need to drink some water. And if somebody wants to add to that, that's amazing. Then you have a surplus. But the great thing about it is, starting out with a full cup every day before you leave your house 
Anything extra is just an addition to that. And then that gives you more power, more energy to give to other people. And again, when somebody asks you, you know, what is it that you need? How can I help you? How can I support you? You already know what tools it takes for you to help yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's easier for you to ask for what you need from other people. Yes, I love that. I'll never forget the time I was talking to someone, a guy, and he was like, what do you want, Bianca? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I was like. And I think that really pushed me to be even more authentic and really ask that question, what do I want? Because mm-hmm. I always say that or I kind of minimize that. And right. I, But I didn't know, like you were talking about, I didn't know. I never sat down to take the time out to think about it. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I feel like what you're saying makes a lot of sense. So is that how you came to the everything in your life starts and ends with you? Essentially, yes. And I re- really like the word you use, minimize that. I think that self-care, when you do it consistently, what it really does is is putting you first. You're putting yourself first. So there's really no way to minimize it when you put yourself at the top of the list. And a lot of women, especially mothers, you know, wives, whatever role you play, a lot of times as a woman, we are socialized to put everybody else before us. And that's not, that's not okay. And that comes to that typically comes as a detriment. Like there's something that is going to, you're going to hit a wall. You're not going to be able to sustain that forever. Because again, you cannot continue to give to people if you don't even have anything to give to yourself. So me saying that everything starts and ends with you. I think that when you really get clear on the conversations that are going on in your mind, you know, our conversations dictate our experiences. So when you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, oh, it's going to be a terrible day then you're going to have a terrible day. So the way your day started, it started with you and it's going to end with you because of the conversations you're having in your mind versus starting your day with, you know what, today's going to be a great day. I'm going to do a few things here at home to energize myself, to get me prepared for the day so I can continue to keep up this energy and really, really have a great day. Again, it starts and ends with you. Um, The way you relate to situations, if something happens to you that is upsetting. We can choose how we respond to it. You can choose to have a complete meltdown. You can choose to respond in anger or aggression, or you can choose to respond in a peaceful way. You can choose to respond to it like, okay, and I'm not saying like be a, like, like a machine with no emotions or no feelings, but you know, there's a difference between reacting and responding. You know, reacting really means that you don't allow a moment before you choose a response. You just have this automatic re- reaction to it. And typically, um, you kind of, I don't want to say you lose control, but I think that in the afterthought of it, you might be like, okay, well, if I would have taken a second to really think about the situation, then maybe I would have made a different choice. That's the difference between reacting and responding. And again, it starts and ends with you. So if a circumstance arises and you can feel that it's upsetting you, you have every choice. You can choose to respond with anger and aggression again, or you can choose to respond with peace and calm. Typically, with those things, you're going to get two different consequences. Now, you probably are going to get a better consequence or a better result or a more consistent result if you go to it out of a space of peace and calm versus out of a space of reaction and anger and aggression. So that's another reason why I say everything starts and ends with you. The way you want to be in the world, the way you want to react and respond and relate to the world completely starts and ends with who, with you are, with who you are and the choices that you make. Yeah, I was just about to say choices. It sounds like it is really um, as well what I'm hearing you say is choices. Mm-hmm. Stopping to think about our choices and not only just the choices, but the, I always talk about the consequence 
Absolutely. Of our choices, and are we willing to live up or accept the consequences of our choices? But taking time to go through that, if I pick this, this is likely to be a consequence. Yep. Wow. Love. Definitely. And I think that's, that's where that, uh, the power comes is in that moment when you allow yourself to take a moment and be like, okay, this person just stepped on my shoe. I can either get, you know, fuss them out or get really angry, or I can take a deep breath and, you know, handle it a different way. But I think a lot of times we don't even realize that, that that in and of itself is a choice. We don't have to automatically have these reactions. We can take a moment and pause and Sometimes it might be hard. It might, depending on this, the situation, you might not have a, a time to sit and think about it. But ultimately, when you realize that everything you do, you have a choice in every single thing and understanding the consequences or the potential consequences that come from that choice, then that typically motivates you to slow down a little bit, to take your time, to take some deep breaths and really see the situation for what it is outside of the emotions that come up. Wow. I love that. Oh my God, this conversation is so good. Um, (laughs) So one of the things, um, gosh, I don't even want to finish, but one of the things that I heard you talk about, and I was somewhere else and I heard someone talk about this too, but you kind of gave a name for it. And it was talking about functional self-care. Yes. Can you define what that is and give us some examples. Yeah. So a lot of times right now, self-care is like a buzzword or a buzz phrase, so to speak. And um, a lot of the ideas around it, it's like going on a cruise or taking a vacation or going on a retreat and which are great. Like those are self-care as well. Like I'm not ever going to take anything away from that, but those are typically things that you do every once in a while. What I think of self-care, I think of functional self-care in that these are things that you do every day, multiple times a week, once a week on a consistent basis that really add back to your cup and add back to your life in, a, in small ways, but they really add up to big things. So for example, examples of functional self-care are doing your laundry on a regular basis, keeping your place clean, um, making sure you're waking up in, a, in the morning in enough time to actually you know, enjoy your morning, enjoy some time to yourself and not just enough time to get dressed and run out of the door, um, going to bed, getting enough sleep instead of trying to um, binge watch all these Netflix shows. You can turn it off and go to sleep a little bit earlier so you'll have more energy the next day. Drinking water, making healthier food choices, managing the um, environments that you're in. You know, if you're in a toxic work environment, all the time, the answer might not be quit your job, but the answer might be balance that out with some more healing and healthy environments. Being mindful of your friends and the kind of people you spend your time around, um, setting healthy boundaries and actually um, honoring those boundaries. I think a lot of times people will set a boundary and say, hey, I'm no longer going to accept this thing, but when it shows up, they accept it because they're not honoring their boundaries. So those are examples for me of practical, functional self-care um, and another another thing is thinking about the things we're already doing as self-care. So if you already are on top of keeping your place clean, washing your dishes, you know, taking care of yourself, that's also self-care. Sometimes we overlook the things that we're doing for ourselves just because it com- becomes so part of our routine. But if you really look at it, like those are acts of self-care and it's important to make sure you're acknowledging that. Yeah. Because I do know the difference when I clean my house. Mm -hmm. Everyone says to me, well, it's already clean, but it's not my clean. Right. (laughs) I know it's a difference when I put that extra effort into, you know, clean up, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're just, you know, um, hoovering or you guys like say that vacuuming or (laughs) um, dusting, whatever the case may be. Um, It just 
feels better and you feel definitely have the sense of lighter and, and having that space to breathe. So absolutely. Um, I appreciate that. Now I'm going to put that on my list. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so um, one of the last things I would like to touch on, um, I love that you give challenges um, to people mm-hmm. on your Facebook. I mean, sorry, on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You give a lot of the challenges and a, a lot of great encouragement. Um, I know you also have the um, self-care, the journaling, which I'll allow you to talk about. Yes. Here. Um, but you had talked about leaning into the gratitude rather than the guilt. Yes. Can you tell yes. us a bit about that real quick? Absolutely. So in my opinion, too, that's part of self-care. What tends to happen for people, especially those of us who are like achievers, we've always been high achievers ever since school, we've always made straight A's and achieving things just comes natural to us. And so it gets to the point where we know we're no longer grateful for those things just because it's like, oh, I'm smart. I know how to do all the things, whatever. That's just who I am. And what that what you're doing is really overlooking your accomplishments. You're not even allowing yourself the time to really relish and bask in the achievements and your accomplishments and having the gratitude like yes sure it might come easily to you to to do everything well and there's still space to be to have gratitude for that there's still space to be like wow I'm a great cook I'm really grateful that I have cooking skills even though I'm really not a great cook that's just my example (laughs) but (laughs) I'm really grateful for the cooking skills I have I'm grateful for you know my mom and my grandmother who who showed me how to cook or just really allowing yourself to having moments of self praise and praising yourself. Even if it's like something small, like, Oh wow, I woke up on time today. I'm, I'm going to have some gratitude for that. Um, and the more we can stay in that space of gratitude, then we have less time to be worrying about what we're not doing well or what we messed up on or feeling guilty about certain things. And, you know, I've worked with clients, numerous clients who, they didn't even know what gratitude was. They didn't even know how to express gratitude. And that kind of blew my mind because I'm always in a space of gratitude. Like that's not, I just always am. And so it's not even a thought for me. So when I meet people who don't even understand what that looks like, it's like, wow, okay, this is a moment for me to learn. Like everybody does not experience and express gratitude in the way that I do. So um, really walking clients through how to express gratitude, what that looks like, um, giving them examples, having them write it in their journal, you know, once a day, twice a day, however they feel moved to do so. And then seeing the difference and them telling me the difference in their lives from the last session we had to the next session, because the homework assignment will be, you know, every time you feel gratitude, write it down. And I've had client after client say, wow, my life feels like I have a different life just within this last week or this last two weeks, because I've been putting the energy into what I have and what I'm grateful for instead of what I don't have. And it's just Mm -hmm. complete, it's, it's changed their lives. So Gratitude is really important. Um, Even for me, it's a practice. Like when I get those um, situations where I'm frustrated by something or I feel like, man, that didn't really go the way I want it or whatever those things are, then I automatically switch into a space of gratitude. And then that just changes my whole experience in that moment. Wow. Yeah. Gratitude is a lot more powerful than we realize. Yes, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. And it changes our whole perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, so, wow. <laughs> Erica, you just said so much great stuff. So, Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I've learned more about you and just about the work that you do and what kind of like 
fuels your passion, so to speak. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for just sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, thank you. The world, your greatness. <laughs> so um, as always, I um, kind of wanted you to share any resources that have helped you along the way mm-hmm. um, um, that, or that you're even helping you now. Um, that you think may be helpful for those who are on that path of, let's say, authenticity, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting more in touch with their self, um, that kind of honesty piece and making those changes in regards to growth? Yeah, I would say the thing has the thing that has been the most key for me in the most recent years, what I mentioned before, was being part of the community I'm part of. Okay. Um, so I would suggest people who are really interested in, being authentic, being transparent and really growing and shifting and being held accountable. Cause I don't really feel like you can truly grow and accomplish things at the rate that you want to, if you're not being held accountable by somebody outside of yourself. And so finding a community, sharing with them in an open way, of course, you know, you have to, you have to take time when you first meet people or you kind of figure out who they are to just, just determine if they are who you need in your life at that time. But you know, once you find that, then, um, I think it's really important to really be open and transparent with them, share with them your goals and allow them to be, um, to hold you accountable. I think sometimes we'll attract people in our lives and say like, yeah, I think this is a great person to help me accomplish my goals and help me help hold myself accountable. But if you're really not, um, using them, so to speak in that way, then it's kind of pointless. So I would say making sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are really going to kind of hold you accountable, hold you to the fire again in a loving and trusting way. That's been the the biggest thing for me. Um, and it's really helped me again, learn about different parts of myself and it's shifted the way I relate to other people, whether it's my clients, my family, my friends, and whatever the case is, just make, just, I would say, be very mindful of who you have in your community and the people that you have around you. Okay, perfect. So any books or any podcasts or anything? Sure. Um, books, I would say, hmm, well, there's a lot of books. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not really one who reads like a lot of the self-help books or self-help mm-hmm. books. Um, I'd say right now I'm reading, um, you're a badass at making money and it's a green book and it, uh, really talks about shifting your perspective around money and, uh, your an abundance mentality. And of course the focus of the book is money but it, um, it can be generalized to just all other parts of your life. But, um, I like a lot of nonfiction book, or I guess it would be fiction books. I always get the two confused. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I really love books that are about family. So right now I'm listening to a book called, um, hold on, let me see if I can pull it up really quick. Um, it's called the care and feeding of ravenously hungry girls. Mm. And, um, it's really just like a lot of insight on the familial relationship between sisters and their mothers. So really any book that has anything to do with families and like generational aspects between families and what's been passed down from generation to generation are really books that I like to read. Um, but I would say that a lot of my inspiration just comes from people. So my, my clients, um, my friends, my family, just interacting with people, I would say um, I've learned a lot more from, wow. from that than, than books. Not to say wow. the books aren't great, because they are. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not really one to sit and read. It takes me a long time to read a self-help 
self-help book, whereas I can like, you know, read a ton of like fiction books and still get a lot of um, perspective from that. But ultimately being around people, allowing myself to be with different people in different environments. um, That's where I've learned a lot from. Great. Perfect. And one last thing. Mm -hmm. Where can we shower you with love, compliments? (laughs) Where can we kind of connect with you? And also what do you have going on? Yes. So, um, as you mentioned before, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have an office here in Atlanta in Midtown. I work with individuals and couples. Um, in addition to that, I have a free, I have a couple of free, um, products. So I have a journaling program called the journal journey and it's a, it's a a email based program. So each month I'll send out a theme of the month as well as three to four different topics that people can journal about that are related to the theme. So for example, February, the theme is um, sex, love, and relationships because it's like Valentine month. And so um, all the topics for that month are going to be related to sex, love, and relationships. That one you can access on my website. And my website is www.ejcounselingatl.com. I also have a couple of eBooks on my website. One is called the self-care plan. And again, it's all about functional self-care. And by the time you get to the end of the ebook, it really, you, you can create your own self-care plan. And so it encourages you to put your self-care activities or your self-care habits into your calendar, just like you put your meetings or any, anything else into your calendar. Um, in addition to that, I have a self-care planner, which is a great thing to use along with the self-care plan book because it's an actual planner and it gives you space to write out your self-care goals for that week, for that day. It's a space for um, gratitude and for notes. So it's kind of, it functions as like your traditional planner, but instead of just putting like work involved um, things in there, you can put your self-care activities in there as well. Um, What else? I, the other ebook on my website is about, um, helping um, entrepreneurs find balance. And it's not just for entrepreneurs. It's really for anybody who feels like they have a lot to balance, a lot to balance and a lot of balls in the air, but um, it really gives you a lot of ideas on how you can create a more balanced lifestyle as an entrepreneur. Um, I think those are all the products that I have. Again, everything else that I have that I'm doing, you can find on my website. You can also follow me on social media. My Instagram is EJ counseling ATL. Um, yeah, my phone number, my email, all that stuff is available on both my website and my Instagram page. Cool. Thank you so, so much. And of course, we're going to put all those information in the show notes so you can awesome. stay in touch. And thank you so much for, ha- for being on the show, Erica. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday Podcast, and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.